Well, happy Father's Day again. Yeah, I figure I'm a dad, so I should be able to relax a little bit today too, right? You know, if I could have a recliner up here, I'd have a recliner up here, and I'd, I'd try and preach from the recliner. The problem is when I, I sit in my recliner and I lean back, I start to go to sleep. So I'd probably be like snoring in the middle of my uh, sermon or anything. You know, I just joined some of you guys who snore while I'm preaching, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, being a dad, I figure I should be able to relax a little bit too, right? So, hey, Mike, throw me them pork rinds, my brother. I figure, you know, I could eat some pork rinds and God help you guys with this microphone on because it's going to get loud. But that means, you know, I can come up here and I can kind of relax and I can eat some pork rinds. Mm-hmm. That's some good stuff right there. See, that's that man food. And if you're on a keto diet, it's a keto diet food. But I'm going to give these away. Ms. Robin, you said you wanted some pork rinds, right? Come and get them. <laughs> now the problem is I ate a pork rind, now I've got to try and talk. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I got a root beer around someplace, <laughs> but I got water up here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we all have consequences, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is consequences. But back on Mother's Day, we, we did the first part of this, the power of parenting for Mother's Day, and on Mother's Day, you know, I talked about this, the movie Hook. And in the movie Hook, they said, you know, well, well, he was just a mean old man who didn't have a mommy. And as much as that is true, I think one of the other things we see inside that movie is it shows this example of what happens so much in life. Because even though Hook was a mean old man without a mommy, Peter was a wayward father. He was so busy out there working that he was absent in his kid's life. And you even think about it, Hook was able to use the absence of Peter um, in, in his own son's life that, that he was able to get Jack to be against Peter in the movie. And, and unfortunately, that's exactly what happens in our lives. And, and you look at the whole story of Hook, and the family was well-to-do, right? They, they were shown as being, you know, financially stable, had a nice house, had all these nice things, but what the family was missing was the father. They were missing the dad figure inside their life. And, and you know, I, I think as we look at this, um, in my best recovery introduction, I guess I could say, hi, I'm Ken, and I failed as a father. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I knew I was going to get that back. <laughs> Because you think about it, you know, and I know as a dad, I, I failed. I wasn't always there for my kids because just like in the movie Hook, I was trying to provide financially for my kids. I was trying to provide financially for my family to where, to where I missed first steps. I missed first words. I, I missed things. I wasn't always there to help with the homework. I, I wasn't always present in my kids' life because... I was too busy working to make sure they could have what they wanted in their life. 
And as much as I look back on my life and say, well, you know, I know I was a part of my kid's life. There's still times I failed. I failed as a father and I failed in parenting because I was looking for what the world tells us to look for. I was looking for the finances. I was looking for the stability for my family to make sure they were taken care of. And when my son wanted a new pair of, of Jordans, he got a new pair of Jordans. You know, and I didn't always think about not being there because I was providing for the family. And I think a lot of times, you know, I could even look back on my own life and say, well, you know what? I failed as a father because my dad failed as a father. You know, I, I could live that life of, hey, my dad wasn't there the first time me and my dad threw football. I was 19 years old. I was 19 years old and the first time we threw a football back and forth. Then as I got older and had kids and he came back to the U.S. and wanted to you know, try and be friends with me and then started telling me how to raise my kids. Well, dude, where were you when I was growing up? So I could easily say that's why I failed as a father because my father failed me. Because that's an easy out. It's a very easy out for us to always push that blame on somebody else. And it kind of makes it easy, doesn't it? And then you'll have people kind of claim, well, you know, how can I love a heavenly father if my earthly father didn't love me. And it's easy to play that game. But I think what we got to look at is Scripture's filled with examples. Scripture is filled with examples of God's constant care, his presence, and his love for his children. So much different than the fathers in the world today. And his example shows that the greatest gift a father can give to their families is being fully present in their lives. That is the greatest gift us as fathers, us as dads can give to our kids, can give to our families. And see, unfortunately, the world paints a different picture. You know, the, the world paints this picture of success in terms of wealth and possessions. Because in the world, that's what you need to have, right? You need to have money, you need to possess things. And, and he who possesses the most is the winner by the world standards. But, but God shows us that the truly successful fathers are the ones that invest themselves in their, in their families' lives. The ones who take time to be there for their families. And, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to take some time and, and dig into this. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. We're going to be two places in there. I'm not going to read the entire set of scripture. Um, very well known to most of us is three parables that Jesus tell. So we're going to be Luke 15. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. But as always, it will be up here on the screen. So let's dig into God's word. Luke 15 verses 1 through 7 say this. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he, when he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to them, rejoice with me 
because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need repentance. And then going farther down, verses 20 to 32 say this. So he got up and he went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his arm, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with the feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioned what these things meant. Your brother is here, they told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in, so the father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I have been... I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who, was, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But, you, uh, but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you want us to receive. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may you be glorified through it all. As we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, on, on Mother's Day, Mother's Day is kind of hard. Well, Father's Day can be hard for people also. You know, there may be men in the house who have never been able to be a father, uh, weren't able to ever have, have or make children. There could be people in here and, and just the thought of your father just crawls up your spine. Or the thought of, you know, my father was a wayward father. I don't know my father. My father was mean. We have all these different scenarios that come into Father's Day. But understand, even though it may be a rough day for some, for others it's a sad day, for others it's a glorious day. You know, for many dads, I remember my first Father's Day. I remember being, happy Father's Day, and I'm like, what? You know, it's that realization of finally being a dad. Finally be, being a dad and, and realizing that, man, this little girl's got to rely on me. This little girl's got to rely on me to provide. She's got to rely on me to love her and show her what a man should be in her life. And hopefully she makes the right choices even if I don't. And I remember just thinking back and, you know, there's something about the firstborn. There's something about a man having a daughter. You know, we all want sons. Daughters are so much harder to raise. But man, daughters are great. 
Daughters are great when they get married and they tell you, you know, well, you're the man I love first, Dad. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad you love me first. And then you remind the husband to be, remember, she loved me first. <laughs> so you better watch what you do. And then you get to, you know, like clean your shotgun on her first date when they come to pick her up. Or, you know, <laughs> you get to try and be mean to, to her boyfriends. But, but regardless of, uh, of how you may feel about your father, whether he was a good dad or a bad dad, um, understand one thing. You have a heavenly father that loves you very much. You have a heavenly father that loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. And, and no matter what's happened here on earth, your heavenly father's still going to love you. He's going to love you for who you are and what you are to him. And, and understand that we can, we can approach our heavenly father for wisdom. We, we can approach him and ask him questions. It even tells us in James 1.5 that he would provide us with wisdom and advice. We know that, that he has no favorites. You know, my, my oldest daughter will tell you that she's my daddy's favorite. My son will also tell you that he's daddy's favorite because he's the only son. Now, see, none of them are in the room, so I can tell you none of them were my favorite. <laughs> I kind of tried to treat my kids the same. Um, but we know our heavenly father shows no favoritism me either. Um, in Romans 10, verses 11 and 13. We also know that our Heavenly Father throughout Scripture tells us He will never leave us and never abandon us. He is going to be there with us through thick and thin. He's going to watch over us. He, he's going to be there for us. Um, and Tim Keller, in, in his book, the Prodigal, the Prodigal God, he actually wrote this. He said, the word prodigal does not mean wayward, but according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it actually, actually means recklessly spendthrift. So he's referring to the prodigal God as this, as this reckless God, this, this God who just gives without thinking. Because it's all about giving freely and, and giving foolishly. And, and that's kind of what he's referring to our God as. And the understanding that as we look at these stories of the father and the prodigal father, we're actually seeing God the great expenditure. God who will do everything he can possibly do for his children. Everything he can possibly do. And understand, it goes beyond scripture. It goes beyond the cross. It, it, it goes beyond the resurrection. All of that is nothing. God shows his presence for us each and every day. He shows his presence in our life from the time the sun comes up until the moon sets. God shows his presence in our life. He, he shows his presence through the people around us. He shows his presence through just the world around us. But you see what it is, is we've got to see it. It requires us to open our eyes. It requires us to open up our hearts. It requires us to be connected and looking for what our God has for us. We need to open our eyes to see it. And we need to understand that God's not always going to give us the things that we want. Because we could want a lot of stuff that's actually not good for us. 
But the one thing God is always going to give us is the thing that we need the most, and that is himself. He will give himself up for you no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing. When you need him, he will always be there for you. He will always be there for you. It's just we need to open our eyes to see his presence whenever we're going through stuff. And you think about here in Luke 15, a lot of it's devoted towards the prodigal son, or a lot of it's devoted to, to the other son um, in this story. But I think what it really does, it reveals the heart of our Heavenly Father. It reveals who God really is. And, and in both parables, the, the shepherd and, and the prodigal son, what we see is a father who took responsibility for what fell under his leadership, or what fell under, under his surroundings. You think about this, the, the good shepherd, if he was not aware when he was out in the field of his surroundings, if he was not aware of, of his sheep that he was to watch over, he never would have noticed one was gone. He never would have noticed there was only 99 instead of 100 until probably he got back to the pen and started counting. But because he was aware in the middle of the field what was going on, he realized a sheep was missing. And he was able to leave the 99 to go find the one. He, even the, the father of the prodigal, after his son left, it says that he waited there. He watched for the younger son daily, and then he welcomed him back with open arms. So even though his son was gone, he was constantly looking for him. And, and even, even the older brother, when the older brother got mad, the, the father pursued the older brother also. And, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, the older brother, well, the older brother was just as stingy and just as greedy as the younger son. It's just the younger son was flamboyant with what he did. He went out and wasted his money on party and prostitutes. But yet the older son was, had no better of a heart. And we see that the, the father still pursued him. And the father even asked him, come into the house. Come, come, to, come into the house. Tell him, hey, this is all yours anyways. The father did not care about his reputation, did not care about his finances. What he cared about was his two sons. He cared about taking care of his two sons. No matter if one was wayward and one was there with them, he loved them both the same. He looked the Lord loves us the same way. Whether we're that runaway, you know, way out here, or we've been walking with him our whole life, he loves us both. He loves you whether you walk in the line or walking outside the line. He loves you whether you're there with him or you're out doing something else. He loves you right where you're at and who you are. The, the difference is we don't always understand that. But he loved you enough to send his son to die on a cross. He loved you in your sinful nature while we were sinning on this earth. He still loved us enough, knowing the sin that you were going to do, sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. That's love. That is unconditional love. And there is no earthly father, no matter how much we think we can do for our kids, that we can do what the Lord's done for us. Now, we can try and we can try and be that father. All of us are going to fail. 
Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 6. Fathers, don't stir anger in your children, but bring them up in training in the instruction of the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's about being the man that God called you to be. Being the man that God called you to be and to be there. Don't stir up trouble amongst your kids. Lead them in the light. Lead them in the light. Bring them to church. Be that godly man God called you to be. And guess what? If you've been messing it up for 50, 60 years, it's okay. It's okay if you've been messing up. Because today you can make a change and say, you know what? I can't be that dad I used to be. I need to be the dad he calls me to be. You know, hey, it's, it's great. You know, y'all got the latest computers and you, you got, you know, PS3 and the latest Xbox. But, you know, I've been working a lot and I ain't been home to spend no time with you. Start taking time with your kids. Start taking time with grandkids. And for some of us, it's going to require some reconciliation. It's going to require maybe some forgiveness. Maybe saying that you were wrong at doing something. But as dads, understand, remember what he did for you. Remember what Jesus did for you. As bad as you were in your life, the things you were going, you didn't have your life together. He sent his son to die on a cross. He paid a debt that you could never pay. He loved you enough to hang on a cross. We're called to a ministry of reconciliation. If it requires reconciliation, do what you got to do to make it right and change who you are and start being the father that you're called to be. And, and equip your kids to follow the light. Equip your kids to to want to be what God called them to be. And understand, it don't matter how messed up, jacked up you are. Male or female, it don't matter. Everyone in this room, everyone who's watching online, you can be an influence in someone else's life. You can be an influence in the next generation's life. And it can start today. All you got to do is change. You need to make the choice to say, hey, today I'm not going to do what I used to do. I'm going to change and I'm going to move forward. See, our relationship with our birth fathers doesn't dictate our relationship with our heavenly father. Like I said in the past, I could easily blame it on my dad. And I did. I was one of them. Man, how can my heavenly father love me if my earthly father doesn't? Why would he want to spend time with me with the guy who my dad here on earth don't spend time with me at all? And believe it or not, it affected me for a long time, even accepting Jesus because of the fact that, well, wait a minute, how can he love me? To me, he was a distant God, just like my father here on earth was distant. He, he was a distant God. And when I did see him, you know, maybe it was every five years, basically I got in trouble for the things I did for them five years. It's like, dude, you weren't even here, man. And, and then later in life, trying to come into my life and, and trying to be that dad figure. And I'm, I was grown by then. You can't be that dad figure. You know, I, I took that backpack off and I left it. I decided at that point in time, hey, I'm not going to be the dad that my dad was. I'm not going to leave the legacy my dad left. 
Yes, I failed, but I can tell you, I have been there for more of my kids' stuff than my dad could ever have thought of. Been there for football, baseball, hockey, track and field, dance. There used to be a video of me dancing with my daughter. It was ugly. <laughs> you know, we're Baptists, we don't dance. <laughs> but, you know, going to dance recitals, doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah there's places I failed, but I said I would never be the kind of dad my dad was. I wanted to break that chain. And, and now I watch my own son and his little boy. And, and I watch the time that they spend together. And it just amazes me to, to be able to sit there and go, man, I remember doing that when you were little. I remember taking that time with you. And even seeing, you know, my daughters with my, my uh, granddaughters, you know, taking them. And, and the most important thing I see that two of the kids, with, uh, the grandkids do, is the grandkids go to church. So they're bringing the grandkids to church and they're in church. And it's just neat to see that going on. But knowing that I failed at times, knowing I still wasn't a perfect dad, but yet the kids go to church and the grandkids go to church. And they're going to know who Jesus is. That's what counts. It doesn't count that they got the brand new Jordans. It doesn't count that they got an Xbox or PlayStation it doesn't count that they got this or that. It counted because of that time that we spent together. The time that we spent together. And my kids will tell you, the best time we ever had was just when we sat down, just talked, had a meal, maybe wet line fishing, sitting in a deer stand together. Because it was just those moments of the two of us. And we were able to make that bond like our heavenly father wants to make with us. He wants to be present in your life. He wants to be there for everything you're going through in your life. It's up to us to do what he calls us to do. You know, and, and one of my biggest pet peeves is exactly when someone says, well, no, my dad wasn't here for me. Yen? Because it's so easy to use that excuse. It's so easy. One of the, my other biggest pet peeves is, well, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. You know how them pastor's kids are. I'm, I, I laugh. I think it's so funny because my own kids will say that. They'll do something wrong, and they'll turn around and say, well, dad, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. Really? You're really going to try that with me? Yeah, and, and it just, so many people want to blame something on someone instead of taking blame for the choices they made in their own life. You know, you, you sit there and you make these choices in your life and say, oh, well, I'm a pastor's kid, that's why I did that. No, it isn't. You're doing that because you made a choice. Each one of us make a choice whether you're a pastor's kid or not a pastor's kid. I, there's a lot of wayward people in the world. Pastor's kids are wayward and regular people's kids are wayward. But I see more people doing stuff to glorify God than I do seeing wayward. And I see people who were wayward at one time who were 
in the gutter, on their knees, not doing anything, who are now preaching Jesus crucified because of what Christ did in their life. And they're taking the past and they're putting it behind them and saying, guess what? I'm not that person anymore. Each one of us has that same opportunity. If you think you failed as a father, you failed as a mother, or you just failed in life at general, you can draw that line in the ground. I'm done with that. That's where that line's at. I'm moving from it. Don't go back to it. Each one of us has a choice, whether a man, woman, whatever you're, mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandparent, every one of us has a choice and we can make that choice today. We can turn to our kids, we can turn to our grandkids, and we can apologize for the person that maybe we were and say, hey, I'm going to try and change. I'm going to try and be there for you more. Trust me, I'm going to fail, but I'm going to try. Make a difference in someone's life today. Make a difference in someone's life going through this week. Because you got to understand, as soon as someone knows you really care about them, is when it's really going to matter. They're never going to remember what you say. They're never going to remember what you did. The only time they're going to remember is when they were hurting and you cared for them. When you physically do something for someone who is hurting down on their luck and you're physically there and honestly there to care for them, they will remember that over anything else. And I think as a country, we've forgotten how to care for people because it's everyone for themselves. Take time to care for someone. Open up your eyes because I guarantee you there's someone in your family who needs to know what love is. There may be someone in your neighborhood, your next door neighbor that needs to know what love is. There may be a kid who you see has a wayward parent that lives in your neighborhood that maybe it's your time to, hey, you know what? I'm not your parent, but let me help you out. Let, let me be a dad or a mom. Let me just be an adult to you and lead them to the light, lead them to what Jesus calls us to do because God did that for you. He did that for you. And if he can do that for you, can't you do that for somebody else? Don't be stubborn about it. Don't be just caught up. And don't use excuses because we all have an excuse and ain't none of them good. You may think it's a good excuse, but it's not a good excuse. We need to remember, as it says in Colossians 3, 12 through 16, it says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive, above all, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in all of our hearts. As members of the body of Christ, that's what we're called to do. Ultimately, love. Love everyone. Remember, Jesus tells us to love one another. Jesus took it up a notch and says, notch and says love one another the way I loved you. Think of how much Jesus loved you. You know, because some of us, oh, I want to love someone as much as I love myself. Well, most of us don't love ourselves. Most of us find fault with ourselves. So love someone the way Jesus loved you. 
You know, kids in the house, you want to know how to love your father on Father's Day? Love your father the same way Jesus loved Joseph. He was way better than Joseph. He was the son of God, but yet he listened and learned from Joseph. You want to do something? Learn from someone who's older than you. Take the time and spend time with them. Take the time and spend time with your own kids, your own grandkids. If you ain't got kids, find one. <laughs> we all know someone with kids. Maybe you got nieces or nephews, you know, next door neighbor's kids. We all see kids out there riding bikes down the street, ride their bike right down the middle of the street and don't care about the cars that are coming behind them. You know, maybe it's time to just sit out there and Start talking. Have a conversation with someone this week. Have a conversation and tell someone about Jesus. Let someone know about who he is and what he's done in your life. Remember, the world paints success in terms of wealth and possession. God shows it and shows that truly successful fathers are the ones who invest themselves in their families' lives. If you're going to invest in something this week, don't do it in the stock market because we're watching that go down. Invest your time in someone else's life. Invest in the life of the future. The, the, the future, a lot of people will say, you know, oh, youth are the future of the church. No, youth are the church. Because if you've accepted Jesus, you're part of the family, so you are part of the church. There's not a, oh, they're the next generation of this. No, they're just going to be here longer than us. You know, at one point, you know, we're, we're still the church when we accept Jesus. And, and if you're sitting here today, maybe it's the, well, I've never accepted Jesus, so I don't understand this, this Heavenly Father thing. And, and Pastor, I, I, I don't know. If you're sitting here today, and you kind of said, man, pastor's talking about me. Pastor's talking about me as a dad, or he's talking about my dad. My, my dad hasn't been there for me. And I don't understand how God can be there for me because my dad hasn't been there for me. And, and pastor, I understand you. You know, you say he, he's there for me, but, but I'm too messed up. God will never accept me the way I am. Why would he accept me when my own dad don't? Well, I got news for you. God's word says that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So if you're messed up, guess what? You're right here with us. Because everyone in this room is messed up. No one in this room is perfect. None of us will ever be perfect to the day we see Jesus face to face. But God's word does say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you see, that's where it starts. That, that's where that salvation starts when you, you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And, and we turn around and we'll say, hey, welcome to our messed up, jacked up family. Because we're all messed up and jacked up and we all make mistakes together. But we're all loved by our Heavenly Father. 
And understand that the day you accept Jesus, you may feel a little different inside and you may feel, oh, this is awesome. But when you go outside the doors, guess what? The world ain't changing. It's going to be the same way you left it when you came in here. Your family is going to be the same dysfunctional family it was when you came into church. Your neighborhood and your friends are still going to be the same people. The difference is going to be you. And if you truly accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will find that you start to change the environments that you're in. You will start to change the dynamics of your family. You'll start changing the dynamics of your friends and those around you. And you'll start leading them towards that light that's shining from within you. So I encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus and you're waiting to get it right, God's word says today is the day of salvation. Make a move today. And if you're kind of unsure, well, I think I did, but I'm really not sure if I did. And hey, during our final song, I'll be up to on the side. I'll be more than happy to talk with you. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. And maybe you're back here and you're just saying, man, I've messed up as a parent. You know, it is Father's Day, but I think every one of us, males and females all about, we can all learn something from today. Because there's times every one of us are distant and we're not there in our family's lives. And you know, maybe, maybe that's where you've been at and, and you've been chasing that, wow, you've been, you've been chasing that American dream or what culture says, is, it's all about money and possessions. And maybe it's time to chase Jesus the way you've chased money and possessions. And I encourage you, you can come up here and just Leave it at the altar. Take time with your heavenly father today and make it right with him. And then go back and make it right with your family. Make it right. Get that reconciliation and spend time with your family. Spend time with your kids. And like I said, for some of you, it may be kind of weird. And I've been distant for years. Well, it's okay. Take the time and start spending time with your family. Amen? Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you, Lord. And Lord, mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandparent, brother, sister, whatever it is, Lord, each one of us have the ability to shine your light. And Lord, each one of us have been absent at some time or another, whether it's in our own kids' lives, in our grandkids' lives, or even in brothers' and sisters' lives. We've been absent within inside the church, within our family here. So Lord, I ask that you, you convict us where, where we've messed up. But Lord, give us the strength and the vision to be able to go and make things right. Lord, you've called us to a ministry of reconciliation, and may we do exactly that. May we reconcile all of our relationships to you. And Lord, may, may we take today and draw that line in the sand and say it's time to move forward. I'm not living in the past. I'm not living off of a past legacy that was messed up. I'm changing it today, and I'm breaking these chains and moving forward. So, Lord, I just ask that you be with us, Lord. Continue to guide us that we will seek you and not seek this world. 
And Lord, if anyone here doesn't know you, Lord, I ask that they make that move today and accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.